Listen, Chris, it's my nasally British voice. Hooray! Stay tuned! Good day and welcome to Writers Get Animated, a show about storytelling, animation, and two Americans doing very bad British accents. I'm Chris Lever. And I'm Mackenzie Whirl. That's more New Zealand now. <laughs> it's like, I don't know where you're from anymore. It's just, I um, lost all the vowels. It's Mackenzie! <laughs> Um, and today we're discussing Early Man from Ardman Studios. Which I was so excited to go see because I love Ardman and it's been a hot minute since their last movie, I think. It has been and it's definitely been a while since Nick Park has done directing duties on one of his, sh his films. Did he direct Shaun of the Sheep? Shaun... The Sheep? Shaun of the Sheep? Shaun, Shaun of the Sheep! <laughs> it's a different movie. <laughs> uh, no, I don't believe he did. Okay, it just hit me. Shaun of the Sheep. I did it again. Shaun the Sheep <laughs> just came out like two years ago. Completely forgot about it. Like, it's been a hot minute. No, Shaun the Sheep just just happened. Like, literally was just up for an Oscar. <laughs> Oops. And you even have it in the notes. So Ardman, the studio that's brought you such gems as Wallace and Gromit, Chicken Run, Shaun of the Sheep. I did that one on purpose. Shaun the Sheep. And, and I learned a lot. <laughs> Apparently the animation for the Peter Gabriel music video of the 80s, Sledgehammer, a.k.a. the greatest music video ever made. Take that, aha's take on me. I said it. Anyway, Ardman has done a lot, and they've also brought you such other movies which you may have not seen, such as Flushed Away, Arthur Christmas, I don't know what it is either, and the Pirates movie. Um, I forget what the, the American title of the Pirates movie was, because I learned what the British title was, and it was just so much better. Like, I want to see the movie now. It's The Pirates in an Adventure with Scientists. Like, what a great name for a movie. Why would they change that? Um, I feel like they think that Americans are anti-scientist <laughs> at best <laughs> <laughs> at, at best we are anti-scientist as, as Americans. So, I mean, if, if you're like me, you may have had, uh, a very up and then like a sort of like middle of the road. It's not so much up and down. It's like up and middle experience with Ardman sometimes. Um, I actually don't even recall Arthur Christmas being a thing at all. I have no idea what that is. Um, I believe it's a guy who's the son of Santa Claus. But I, Santa's I, last name isn't Christmas. So Ardman Studios has <laughs> also won multiple Academy Awards for their shorts and a feature. Which feature did they win for? Oh no, I think not a feature. Just kidding. Just you don't I think they're making they that up. Oh. They should have I realized won. Chicken Run was the year before Shrek and the first Academy Award for animation. Oh. But Chicken Run probably should have run should have won. Chicken one. <laughs> Should have chicken one if it were an award in the year 2000. I hope they make a sequel so we could call it Chicken Run One and Chicken Run Two. Or chicken Two? Two Chicken. Two Chicken. So, um, <laughs> I feel like I knew more about Ardman Studios. Um, growing up, but I didn't have an understanding of British humor, humor. Until, until I was older. So That's a fair assessment. I, I feel like as a kid, I understood the physical comedy, which Ardman is terrific at, but some of the other forms of comedy just went over my head. 
or more around the back, you know, around the side. I kind of just, it just, just went right by. Um, and I feel like sometimes with Ardman, they, the, they do the best work because they're talking directly about themselves and about their culture. And, you know, it's, I don't, we have a lot of listeners from the UK, so it's very, very British in a very good way. And sometimes as somebody who is not British, I feel like I might be missing something still. Like as much as I laughed in Early Man, I'm like, there were a few points where I said, ah, I think I just missed like four jokes. I feel like I've missed four jokes right there. I feel like that should have been funnier. So... <laughs> I definitely feel like I made it halfway through the movie. I was seeing it alone. And when I suddenly <laughs> realized that the title of the movie was a pun, I'm like, oh, no, I'm, I'm two degrees removed. I didn't know. This is a trap. I didn't realize. Had no idea. For those of you who aren't British and or into sports, the movie's called Early Man, obviously. Um, and in this movie, there are some cavemen, early man, who are confronted with the Bronze Age and one MacGuffin later are in a football match, football being soccer, a football match with the Bronze Age people. And the whole shtick of the movie is like it opens on a volcanic landscape, and it's like, Earth! I don't know what it was, 10 million years? No, it was more than 10 million. 100 million years ago! It <laughs> <laughs> like pans down this volcano like, outside Manchester. <laughs> like, ha ha ha! So the movie begins, you laugh, like, ha ha ha! And then silly American non-sports meme made halfway through, like, early Madison, early Manchester. It's a football pun. I didn't know what I was getting into. They took see, this out of most of the trailers for the U.S. See, you're even better than I was because I didn't get it until they said it during the finale. And I was like, oh, like that's, that's how long it took for me to realize what they were doing. I even read that, you know, um, outside Manchester was like, Haha, that's funny. Manchester's a real place. It's, it's, all, <laughs> it's all British. <laughs> and then they did the, you know, around lunchtime joke after that, which was because mm -hmm. it's always fun to add that little really oddly specific once you're playing with the trope of telling us where where it's taking place and how long ago 100 million years ago around lunchtime it's just there's just something funny about that it's just uh it undercuts the solemnity of the moment because you start thinking that it's this epic thing it's like uh no it's manchester <laughs> which i've never been to but as a, I don't know if I should call myself honorary British. Not really honorary British. Honorary, I'm going to go one degree lower. Honorary English. One under British. <laughs> I've been a lot of the south of England, but uh, uh, anything north of like Oxford, all that Manchester, Leeds, all that fun stuff, I don't know. It's up there. It's a place. <laughs> and they so, call it man sometimes. It's called man. So, again, being two places removed, two degrees, since I am not really a fan of the sports ball, and I don't believe you are much either, Mackenzie. I'm a fan of the puck ice ball. Puck ice ball? The one without a ball. Hockey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I followed. I knew. Okay. Um, if Quidditch were real, I would... Um, I'd be into that, but that's mostly of because sphere, of flying. Really, it's like a sphere ball. <laughs> so, uh, well, there are three balls, really. Um, I'm not going to get into Quidditch while we talk about this, but um, <laughs> but yes, and then not being British, we are quite removed from it. Um, what you alluded to it a little bit, but what's this story? that we have going on about early man, um, cavemen, this group of cavemen, and what do we have happening? 
So in the prologue, we see <clears throat> this meteor fall to Earth in this volcanic dinosaur-filled landscape. You're like, I know what this is. It's not that. Uh, the meteor falls, and it happens to be this perfectly spherical, 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 um, <laughs> football-shaped thing, and the cavemen start playing with it. And then some unknown number of generations pass. We see some similar cavemen in a beautiful valley living their happy, tree-frolicking, rabbit-hunting lives, only to rudely discover that they're some of the last of the cavemen, and that magically the Bronze Age has begun also. Um, it's not super accurate historically, as you may have guessed. <laughs> and it doesn't need to be necessarily, but... <laughs> no, it certainly doesn't need to be. Um, it has lots of weird jokes, Um the villain is Tom Hiddleston, which I didn't realize because his accent is so thick until the credits. <laughs> um, so Tom Hiddleston plays this essentially evil, like, FIFA president <laughs> who runs, like, rigged football games for his Bronze Age city. And they want to tear down the Cavemen Valley, and so the Cavemen, specifically Doug, uh, our hero, um decides to wager that he could beat these people playing football for forever with his own team of cavemen and they'll get to live happily and peacefully or if they lose they'll work in the mine that was formerly their valley for the rest of their lives interesting stakes <laughs> thank you um drama guy you're, you're welcome so <clears throat> it, it turns out to be a sports movie with everything that that entails, which you know we're going to be building towards a big game with some underdogs. Um, you know, you're going to Mighty Ducks your way through with this ragtag group of people who shouldn't be playing sports, who have to play sports or end up in the mines. And just to clarify, when Chris says Mighty Ducks hit, we don't mean Mighty Ducks hit like we do the rest of the time of this podcast. We're talking about the Mighty Ducks animated cartoon show, which has right. nothing to do with Mighty Ducks the movie. He's talking about Mighty Ducks the live action movie and Mighty That's Ducks right. it. That's exactly right. Continue, sir. <laughs> so we know that... Um, <laughs> I, I'm sorry to sound basic with this, but... Um, you know that at the end, they're either going to win the game or they're going to lose the game. Like, that's, <laughs> that's it. That, those are the stakes. They're either going to win or lose. Um, I suppose a third possibility is the game will get disrupted and they all die or something else happens. So the game gets interrupted, but the game will complete and there will be a winner and a loser and there are different ramifications whether you decide to do one versus the other but when you end up with a sports story you end up with big game underdogs rigged <laughs> uh, most times some kind of, something's rigged there's some reason why they can't win or they have no hope to win yeah it's not just that they're like an inexperienced brand new team it's that there's something else evil cheating right the whole the whole system's wrecked <coughs> sure the whole system it's not it's not just the game it's the entire system man i don't know what that was but um <laughs> But then, but then you have to decide whether your team is going to win or lose. And if they, <laughs> if you choose your own adventure and you go, okay, so let's say um, it's impossible for these people to win. They're a group of cavemen. They're going up against um, this team who is all the champions and they're going to lose. There's no possible way for the, them to win. So let's say they lose. You have the decision on either one, they lose the game and they face the fate that is spelled out for them. They go and work in the mines. That sounds like a great ending. 
right? It's a happy animated movie ending. Exactly. Go work in the mines for the rest of your lives, which, I mean, you're, they're cavemen. I mean, their life expectancy is what, like 20? If that's it's the Bronze Age now. I know, but they're cavemen in the Bronze Age. And they're going to be working in the mine. That's going to take their life expectancy way down. It's true. So uh, you end up with that ending. The other thing is they lose. And for some reason, the, their fate is negated. So we find out that somebody has a change of heart or something changes. Somebody turns. And now it doesn't matter that they lost. They're still heroes. And we're going to make them part of our society. And we're going to welcome them in. And they're going to be in the Bronze Age. And we're going to play next year. And they won't have to work in the mines. And they could live in different houses or something. So a number of possibilities. Or a number of possibilities. So, um, but they, they played a lot with tropes and expectations of what a sports film would entail, a sports story would do. Um, and what were some of those things that they played around with? Well, so we get, of course, um, kind of the trappings of the world of sports here. There's a whole bunch of, like, stadium slapstick humor that's involved. Um, I really feel like Newth, the villain played by Tom Hiddleston, really is, like, evil FIFA president. And there's a lot of <laughs> modern commentary about that, I think. <laughs> uh, I do know enough about... I may not know much about sports, but I do listen to NPR, so I know enough about FIFA. <laughs> <laughs> um <clears throat> And of course, I, what I thought was very successful was they played with the ideas of what it means to have this mysterious team who's been like a mile away winning at sports ball in their own special Bronze Age world for so long. And you have these football celebrities. And a lot of the crux of uh, the final game is that the cavemen will play as a team, hooray sports trope, um, and overcome the individual spirits of the other um, long-lasting star football characters. Which works. It works for me. Yeah, I mean, if everyone's a star, no, there's not really a thing to bring them together. And that's their one advantage is we can play together and, and share and pass the ball and so on. Do some Harlem Globetrotter stunts. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, hmm. I'm trying to think what else they play with. I mean, there's, of course, like the... Uh, you actually don't know how to play. Oh, no. Now let's have this... Instead of, like, wise, old, retired footballer, we get, like, young, aspiring footballer, Guna, slash love interest Guna, um, who is a girl and can't play football in the Bronze Age, I guess? Yes, you can't play football if you're a woman in the Bronze Age. You're not allowed to be on the sacred pitch. And somehow this feels like... I don't know, this is... Maybe I'm just being so far removed from the world of sports ball. This feels like this story has been beaten to death. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't feel like that that like I mean I like that there were more women characters in the movie but it didn't feel like that specific narrative like added much to the movie or what it was saying I felt like it could have been just more, more like she's a woman but maybe she's not like the 8 foot tall monster that the other footballers are and therefore she thinks that she won't be good not like oh you can't play because you're a woman or she had an injury or something. You know, there's that trope of I'm injured and so I'm going to become a teacher. Mm -hmm. if, if we go the leap <laughs> way of, way of doing things. But I'm glad that they also didn't go like the, the injury, like overcome personal struggle, wise old teacher way. I wanted some third option. <laughs> <laughs> Which I have no good solution for right now, but I just wanted a third option. Yeah. I, I also wanted... And this is just me and my, my personal wants. I also want 
there to be a moment where there's there's a main character who's a, a, a woman and she's not a love interest by the end. Like I, I, like I feel like as somewhat revolutionary as Guna was in terms of being a woman who's in charge and taking charge and who's powerful. She's still in the end and they still ended up being romantically linked in the end. And I felt like that was unnecessary. You know, I don't know when you have a happy, happy endings don't just have to be about people getting together. And I just felt like it diminished her a little bit. I mean, I had the same problem with Ratatouille, but um. I guess it's otherwise. <clears throat> if you take away, if you just take away the love interest from the film and don't change anything else, then there's kind of the question of like, well, why is she helping them? And I think you you can provide a different answer there. Yes, because but that's I've, I've, what it was serving in this case. It was, I, and I feel like. Going back to your point about she can't play because she's a woman. If she couldn't play because of something else that she did, and maybe she's not on the team because she was, you know, I don't know. <laughs> uh, but if if she had a personal reason to have those guys lose in particular, she wanted to humiliate them or bring up something or start a revolution that the game was just a ploy for her to be able to strike down Nuth or something. I don't know. I'm getting, but I feel like having a stronger choice than finding Doug attractive. You mean she didn't have to dig Doug? Oh, boom. You're welcome. Oh man. Ouch. (laughs) Okay, um, with that, let's discuss the humor <laughs> in this film. Are you implying that someone's funnier than me? Uh, I was saying it pretty strongly, I thought. Um, <laughs> I didn't feel like I was implying, but we can... <laughs> Fair enough. But let's, let's talk about the humor in this. Um, yes, please. There's lots of good moments. Um. From the very beginning, as we as we talked about, we know that the kind one kind of humor is set something epic up and then immediately take it down a notch with a line or a joke or you know that outside Manchester. Right, right away, you're taking the yes, there are beautifully formed volcanoes and it's a beautiful visual and it's awesome and epic, and right away it's yeah, here's a silly joke. Not calling Manchester itself a joke, but um. Well, I mean, the idea that it's Manchester specifically. Right. It's that spe- specificity that makes it a joke. Yeah. Um. So right away, there's that one joke, and they do often throughout have that kind of thing where you set something up, and then you take it down the next moment um one of the one of the big moments where they are catching doug and um newth says take him away and kill him slowly and they start to march off with him slowly (laughs) it's like no 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 (laughs) Take him away at normal speed and then kill him slowly. <laughs> it's a lot of that word humor that Ardman is known for. So, but it's the, we've just captured your main character. We're going to take him away. He's going to get killed. But then it's, there's an immediate joke with a misunderstanding and, and language joke. So lots of wordplay. And I think that what, making this movie set in an entirely different time than what Ardman normally does. It allows for a lot of that visual wordplay as well, like almost in a BoJack Horseman style way. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's lots of like wonderful background signs. Um, I'm trying to think of any example of any business from the film. Um, 
this one that's called Warts Removals, and it was like a tow truck company. Um, so it's like taking some things literally, like of course there'd be someone named Wart here. And my personal favorite, and I was English enough to get this, <laughs> is there's a road, and there's like a zebra skin laid across the road, and there's like dead zebra eyes. I'm like, it's a zebra crossing! Um, and so in England, where they have those crosswalks, which we would just call a crosswalk here in uh, the USA, um, that's called a zebra crossing because it looks like a zebra, which is a British pronunciation of zebra. <laughs> it's just a dead zebra, like hanging out there, like, ah, I get it. I get that joke. No one else in the theater does. <laughs> I, I, I didn't get it. So It's a zebra crossing. Again, <laughs> I, a lot of joke, jokes were going, woo. <laughs> past past me <laughs> as it was going i was like i feel like i'm missing something i feel like it's missing some i'm missing something so in addition to the puns you get some of those like literal britishisms in ancient manchester <laughs> <laughs> and i guess that that brings up talking about the britishness of it britishosity yes. Britishness of it. Um, like what, as an American audience, and I saw this um, when I went to see it, there were lots of families with, with young kids um, who were going to it and um, they were enjoying themselves and laughing. And um, But right away um, in, in the showing where I was in, um, there one kid was like, Daddy, why are they calling it football? That's not a football. And he had to whisper explain um, that he's like, well, football is what everybody else in the world calls soccer. Which, I mean, the better, um, the better explanation is we say soccer, but everybody else soccer is what we call football, but everyone else in the world calls it that instead of like, no, no, those silly people just call it football. It's really soccer. I never got how that etymology worked. Yeah. I'm not sure. But But that's that's definitely a British thing. Like, like good on you for not localizing this Ardman, but it might be a challenge in some areas. And I think it, I think it is a little bit of a challenge. I think some of the things went way over the kids' heads and probably some of the things went over the parents' heads too, just because we don't have that frame of reference. And some things are universal, like the messenger bird is universal. You know, it doesn't doesn't matter um, who you are, the messenger bird is... is brilliantly funny no matter no matter where you be from mm-hmm. mm. I'm trying to think what else I'm, I'm looking at some of your notes of like British things uh, so French villain with Nuth being inexplicably French <laughs> and um, like and like Monty Python and the Holy Grail level French like that's he is that Frenchman the edge of stone is over. Long live the edge of bronze. I'm pretty sure that a French villain is just the British equivalent of the American having a British villain. Like, you can't be... There's no, like... Like, the shorthand for evil is French there, I think. Mm-hmm. Like here, like you go see a movie, like, oh, that guy speaks with British accent. He must be the villain. Mm-hmm. You got your Star Wars's, your, I don't know what else. I feel like in James Bond, the, the villains, at least more recently, don't really have specifically British accents, usually something else. Just to make it different. Yeah. Like Javier Bardem had his Javier Bardem accent. Yes. Yes, he did. 
<laughs> yes. Um, she did. <laughs> I feel like the the as an example, Brian and Brian, the two sports commentators at the end. Oh were, yeah. The Queen brought in their sports her own sports commentary people. Um, Brian with an I and Brian with a Y, which I thought was funny. Um, but you don't find out till you watch the credits that that's the difference. But I felt like I was missing joke after joke with them. Like I, like I feel like that was a joke, but I don't think I got it. Like I'm just missing things left and right and left and right. Was it a football thing or a British thing? Yeah, I don't know. Probably, yeah, probably. <laughs> it's probably both of them, I think. Okay. Because I, I, I feel like the way that a British person would speak about football, even if I knew something about the game more than, you know, having played it when I was 11, I, I think there's just a different way of speaking about it than we have. In America. A different way of speaking about it? Like different shorthand for what things are? Yeah, you know, just just the way that we would describe the game or describe different things. I, I don't know. I felt like I missed a lot. <laughs> um, also, thinking about the mines, you know, the you're going to end up in a mine. Like, are there mines in Manchester? I think it was just a Bronze Age thing. I don't think that it was specific to like any other kind of humor. It's just like, it's the Bronze Age and they need to mine bronze? And one review that I read, I read a couple of reviews just to, and I made sure that I was reading from, you know, UK <laughs> publications to see what I was curious about what I was missing and what... Um, people in the UK were saying about it, and one even person even said, "Like it's a it's a film about Brexit." And I was like, "Is it what? How? I I'm not sure because I I I read that and was just confused. I feel like that's how... someone. So I'm I'm thinking through the movie and I'm I'm seeing it from their perspective. I think it's a reviewer who's pro Brexit and thrusting that narrative upon this movie. And I can see how they've thrust it upon the movie, and I don't agree with it. I don't think the movie's about that. Because, I mean, in the end, the, the movie's about... And I think he, he said there's people who are these backwards people who are left behind, and the world is moving forward and it's more international and they're stuck in their own culture and all they want to do is go back to their valley but they're more their lives are richer when they're part of society and that's just called storytelling <laughs> yeah yeah i i was just that's, like, <laughs> that's not pro or con anything <laughs> that's pro good stories I happen to make a. I mean, I'll, I'll put that review in here. So I, I wasn't following it. I was like, "That's a, that's a bit of, <laughs> you know." In, in this film about cavemen playing football, I feel like that's a bit of a stretch. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes, I totally bought the pig giving the guy a back massage, but being about Brexit, I, I don't know. Which was excellent, by the way. Uh, there was some behind-the-scenes feature I was watching about. Um, it was like the voices of Early Man. And they specifically went into that scene. And in order for Tom Hiddleston to do that scene, they had like the, the voice direction person, I think, like giving him that exact massage as he was trying to voice it. And I guess Tom Hiddleston kept saying, hit me harder, hit me harder, hit me harder. <laughs> I don't know what I'd do if I was there, like, massaging Tom Hiddleston. He said, hit me harder. Like, what do I, how do I respond to that? Yes, Mr. Hiddleston? You hit him harder. You hit, there's, there's only one way to, you hit the man harder. But how hard is too hard? I don't want him to, like, go all Christian Bale on me. Oh, oh, oh he will let you know. 
He's Tom Hiddleston. He's Tom Hiddleston. If you hit him, if you um, hiddle his tin a little too wow. hard. That was worse than Dig Dug. I know. Like I'm a just... lot. <laughs> okay. If you, if you hit Tom Hiddleston too hard, I feel like he would let you know in no uncertain terms that, that you've gone too far. What you have to do is make sure that you're doing it. I don't uh, gradually, you know, just see what he likes. I feel like if I hit Tom Hiddleston, I just have to say like puny God, like at the same time. <laughs> oh, <sighs> I did think of one more British thing that I liked. Yes. It's a it's a very Ardman thing. I don't know if it's specifically British. It's it's an Ardman thing. It's the not even just Ardman. I feel like The Simpsons does stuff like this too. It's the building. It's the the three tier joke that builds in an interesting and humorous way. And Ardman is big on crowds of people thinking as one. Mm-hmm. And so there's one moment where. Um, one of the characters, I think Nuth starts by going, like it's revealed that Doug is uh, a caveman when he takes off his goalie mask. And the caveman, caveman, caveman and the entire crowd goes, a caveman? <laughs> and I just, I don't know, is that is that unique to this? Am I crazy? Is it something that's just not... I, one thing that they're very good at they being Ardman, is they're very good with um, timing and structure. Like you, yes. f- you feel the structure, not necessarily of, and I don't mean this as a dig at all, um, but they're very good with the structure of moments and not necessarily like the overarching structure but I feel like each moment is strong that it adds up to, you know, a, a, a good ending. So, whereas some people might think of the overarching building a big bridge, you, you can still get across the river if you build a series of 100 well-constructed towers <laughs> that, that are near each other. <laughs> that you can jump to and get to the end. So I feel like the structure and the the construction of moments is so strong that it does get you all the way to the end. But there are some times where I felt like um, I, we made a leap that I wasn't quite comfortable with narrative-wise. But I didn't question it because everything was well done. How so? Do you have an example? I, I think the final game for me. Okay, the, like it the, went by too fast? It went by too fast and things were just happening. Um, the, the thing that I appreciated was at first they're playing this game against the champions and they're in their new early man uniforms and... They go in, and because they've been totally discounted by the champions, they go and they score immediately. And I was like, this is really cool. Like, that's great. And then what was even better is the champions came back and <laughs> scored three on them, <laughs> one after another. And like, there we go. Now, <laughs> all is right with this. This is going well. This is exactly the way it should be. Um, and then later on, it just gets a little kooky with... Nuth becoming the referee and taking over. And it was just like, this is getting out of hand. Like, like I understand it. And there were lots of great things like the replay where the replay is done with puppets, which (laughs) is really terrific. I was like, that's, that's awesome. (laughs) Let's see the replay. Oh, that was, it was just wonderful. Here's everything we know about modern football. How do we do it without any of the technology? Exactly. Um, uh, but then we started getting things like Chief. 
the the main chief getting hit with the football and smashed into a goalpost and falling down and you think that his back is cracked and then you're like okay we're gonna have a, a sensitive moment here we're gonna change it just a little bit and then it appears that he dies he he stops breathing he leans over and he's silent and then everyone starts crying and before everyone can really start crying um he farts and you realize he's alive so close we're so close to the end of a kid's movie without a fart and i I was just like oh not a fart joke (laughs) like why why did it have to be a fart why not a snore Based on how, like, what happens to you biologically when you die, like, he still could have been dead and farting. Which I probably would have been better <laughs> with that. He's alive! Oh, no, he's not. He's just no, farting. he's not. And then as they carry him away, Borgas escapes every step they take. <laughs> Goodbye, chief. <laughs> like... And then the final one is somebody else. Like, no, no, that one was me. It's Richard Ayoade. <laughs> Sorry. Hey, that's... excuse me. <laughs> Didn't mean to ruin the moment there. <laughs> oh, no. Oh. <laughs> oh. He just makes me but laugh. Too dark for a kid's movie. <laughs> yeah. I've... Too dark for a kid's movie, but I... Pretty sure we just, like, word for word transplanted a Futurama joke into early man, so... It's perfect for Futurama, just not for what this movie is. What it's aimed at. And who is the audience that this is aimed at? British kids? Yeah, British children. I'm gonna go with that. (laughs) So do you think that a child of eight or nine in Manchester um, would enjoy early man more than a child mm, in Columbus, Ohio of the same age? Uh, It depends because Columbus is a loaded audience of soccer fans. Might not be the best example, but general, like, American mid-sized city, yes, I would agree with you. <laughs> now I want to write a script where there's this, somebody who lives in general mid-sized city, America. Why not? Like, that's the name of their town, general mid-sized city. General mid-sized? It's named after a famous war hero from the First World War. <laughs> Uh, see, it writes itself. Um, Does it? No, it doesn't. There's no not. plot or characters. <laughs> we just have a city. Ah, <laughs> uh, so what else do we have to say about early man that we haven't already said? So what I do want to bring up that we haven't talked about. We've talked about the volcanoes and the dinosaurs and the Bronze Age. But we haven't pulled this all together. This is. Way, I mean, not having seen the Pirates movie, this is way far outside the Ardman wheelhouse in terms of scope. Mm. It's a lot. There's a lot happening in the background. Um, there's a lot at all times. Like even the the Shaun the Sheep movie. I had to think about it. The Shaun the Sheep movie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it had lots of stuff and it looked really good, but it's, you know, it's like, English farmstead and English town. Um, great, which looked good. It all looked amazing, but this is like, let's have volcanoes and dinosaurs and meteors um, and a giant football match with thousands of fans that are claymated into the audience here. Um, so it kind of feels like Ardman said, like, you know those Laika guys that did Kubo? We could do cool-looking stuff, too. We should do that. And I would say there were a couple moments where I was blown away by the visuals. Um, Such as? 
It was a small one, but it was one of the jungle shots. I was just like, that is really simple and beautiful. You know, um, you start to look at things like the big game and you do see the crowds. And I, I believe some of them have, there was some digital work towards crowd work. Oh, I'm sure. There has to be some digital in this somewhere. But um, you look at that, you look at the mammoths in armor, mm-hmm. uh, which was really great. But you, you think of the the mine where they go into the caves. It, it was just visually interesting. This one's small, but I, what I really admired was the... Um Guna's initial stand in the market where she's selling all of her bronze pots and pans. Like, I just thought the bronze pots and pans looked so real and so realistic with their shininess <laughs> and the light playing off them. Like, it's really well done. It's like looking at water and Snow White the Seven Dwarfs. Like, wow, that's really good for what it is and no one should ever notice that. It should just be cool. <laughs> So great. Mm-hmm. Cool. I don't know. Anything else? I'm I'm not sure. I, uh, did you have a um a favorite thing from I, Early Man? I do have a favorite thing. <laughs> You're so uncertain. I hope that you have a favorite thing also. My favorite thing is the message bird. How do you use this message bird thing? It's the queen. Just speak into its ear, ma'am. It will mimic everything it hears. To kind of explain that clip a little bit, because uh, it's so hard to just have the clip and explain what that is. Um, the plot is the Nooth is saying, the queen will never find out about this match. And then he and his henchmen receive uh, a message bird from the queen. And it is a great visual cue. of They're looking at a portrait of the queen before and to reference the queen. Like, she'll never know. And this bird shows up who has, like, the exact same, like, feather pattern on its head as, like, the queen's crown feather headdress. And has, like, flying, like, World War I-style, like, earmuff-type things, like the queen's, like, hair-looking thing is. So the bird, this pigeon, looks exactly like the queen to begin with. And then it looks dumb, and then it's just basically reenacting, like, your favorite grandmother, like, leaving an, uh, an iPhone visual voicemail or for the first time or something. Like, recording a video to post to YouTube. Is, is this on? Is this on? <laughs> yeah. Is it recording? Is it going? Do I start? Do I start now? It doesn't look like it. And the killer, right after the audio clip for me, is um, the queen saying, Is this on? And, like... The bird mimics like hitting its hand and go, and you realize the bird is holding itself. It's mimicking holding itself and being hit by the queen. <sighs> so that's mine. Do you have a favorite thing, Chris? Yes, mine is the message bird. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. And <laughs> I don't think we'll play it again, but... <laughs> <laughs> I think for me, it was, there was something just universal about that moment. And um, everyone in the theater was laughing at it. And it's as much about the performance of this bird. And you felt this bird just having this, this great performance. And then you can see when the message is off and it just goes to this cross eyed, like, Standing there, dumb bird. It's very Ardman. And then it goes back to Lord Nuth accidentally, you know, recording something. It's like, all right, your message has been delivered. And then it <laughs> takes off. <laughs> like that, it was, it, it was really funny because it took me a while. I think it took most of the audience because nobody started laughing right away because you're not quite sure what's happening when the shtick starts. You're like, what? what is this? I don't get is it. Is the bird the queen? What's happening? Yeah, you're like, what it, I don't understand. And then once you start getting it, 
and I think the characters explicitly say, you know, what's happening. But once you get it, then it just becomes really hilarious that, no, this is new technology that the queen doesn't know how to use. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful moment. Oh, well, I'm glad we agree on that one. Yes. It doesn't happen yeah. often, but it's always fun when that does happen. Yeah. <laughs> Shall we talk homework time? Yes. For next time, your homework is to watch the premiere episode of the new Stephen Colbert-sponsored, blessed, produced cartoon show, um, Our Cartoon President, um, and any other Stephen Colbert-inspired animation you care to watch. There's many options. Uh, obviously, next time we'll be talking about some things that We'll have Chris and I opinions, and you know what those are already if you're a long-time listener. So have fun. <laughs> so we go from the UK to something distinctly American. The, we go from the UK to the yuck. <laughs> oh, so that'll be fun. Hmm? Question mark? Question mark. <laughs> As Todd would say, that'll be fun? Question mark? As always, thank you to our engineer, Nigel Catino, and to Jacob Reed for our theme music. You can find us on the web. Let us know what other British in-jokes that we missed um, on our Twitter, at WG Animated. We'll have links to our show notes and lots of other fun videos on our Tumblr, writersgetanimated.tumblr.com. Like us on the Facebooks. And if you're enjoying the show, please leave a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, whatever they're calling it now, and just... Um, let other people know what you think about the show. It helps people find us and get the word out to more people. I liked it on iTunes right now. Good night, everybody. Oh dear. Oh my.